Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 131 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And today, we are going to answer some frequently asked questions. We have uh, we want to talk a little bit about the new PCNL codes. We've been having some questions on that, and uh, we'll give some more color to the interpretation of that and kind of our thoughts and our guidance in the past and where we're guiding you now. So we want to cover that. And then we want to talk about urodynamics, um, a specific question we got uh, regarding uh, uh, urodyna- urodynamics and uh, clinical denial. And then uh, we also want to talk about code 0421T, which is a transurethral water jet ablation of the prostate. Had a couple questions on that. And then finally, we want to round it out with a discussion on some category two data for uh, ENM and uh, whether it can be counted or not. And uh, we'll share more with you as we get through that and go through the questions. Uh, but first, we want to remind you that uh, our urology documentation coding and billing plan is available. You can uh, access the link to register for that and, and purchase that on the episode page, which is prsnetwork.com forward slash 131 for episode 131. And uh, we, we let's get started. Let's dive right in um, and talk about PCNL and the new codes and what's included and what's not. So, Mark, you want to kind of uh, walk us through the, the, the big picture and then we can uh, it'll probably answer the couple of questions we do have, but I think it's more of a discussion first. Okay, so I think generally the question was, you know, what about use of a 50432 with uh, a 50081? But then we also have been talking about the 50436 and the 50437. So the 50432 is the nephrostomy catheter. Um, which um, we know now that the new um, documentation or the the new description um, in the 
the uh, uh, excuse me, the revised description actually includes specifically in the description nephrostomy tube placement. So a, a 50432 on the same side that you're doing the the perk would would be included by definition in the CPT and the CCI bundling edits have labeled that as bundling, uh, but un, uh, allowed with with unbundling allowed with modifier, which would basically state if you were putting a frostomy tube on the contralateral side, um, or potentially uh, if it was, that would be it, so that would be allowed. Um, the five zero four three six and the five zero four three seven, which we believed was going to be allowed with the new guidelines, is also um, labeled as unbundling allowed with modifier. So um, at this point in time, we would have to look at those two a uh, accesses as also included in the 50081. So we were hoping that those would not be included with the new valuation, um, regardless of the CPT descriptions uh, or the parentheticals underneath. Um, but it is clear with the way they've uh, released the CCI, and we've had a chance to analyze it, that right now the the access um, for the PCNL, if done by the physician who's doing the PCNL, would not be separately billable under 50436, 50437, and then again, the 50432 on the same side would not be allowed. So same thing for 06 or 3.6 and 3.7, if it, for whatever reason you did a contralateral access, um, you, could probably, you could probably charge that with an RT or an LT to, to differentiate the sides. So uh, just to clarify that the 50081 and the 50080, uh, those are the PCNL, the new PCNL codes, and that uh, those are they have a new definition and were newly valued in 2023, and so that's why this discussion is continuing. Uh, Ray, any thoughts? Uh, no, uh, the 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 definition of the 50437 is misleading in CPT. As an afterthought, they added that uh, new access is a part of that code. So that was easy to miss when you first started it, but uh, they they don't usually make a major portion of the action an afterthought or after the colon, but that's what it says in this one. All right. Now, Mark, the 50432 is not bundled with the 50081, but the 543 six and seven are for cci you're correct but mark was saying that per uh, cpt definition that uh that that the 50432 is bundled in the 50080 and 81 is that right yes and but so in CCI, this case right. you would you would stick with cpt and not the uh, as the underlying and major definition and rule. Yeah. I mean, that really should be the, should be the driver. 
but you know it's it you're right it's it's open on the cci for whatever reason so, and it could be a mistake they correct later correct yeah all right Okay, and if you have any other questions, please leave those on the community. Uh, this, hopefully, that cleared it up. But uh, if you have any further questions, please let us know. Um, okay, you're moving into a question on Eurodynamics. Uh, the question is: I have a denial from the insurance company for five one seven four one. They are stating that they are following the International Incontinence Society guidelines that the pressure and flow void volume should be greater than 150 milliliters um what are your thoughts on that yeah so um the um so basically the pressure for volume study is um and now those comments by the internet uh, the incontinence society are really about whether or not and the 51741 is actually coming in on a few different things but they're basically saying that you don't get a good Euroflow result unless you have enough volume from the flow void. Um, so, um, and that is, you know, something that I think we've all kind of struggled with over the years as we look at, you know, whether or not a particular Euroflow or a complex Euroflow was valid based on the amount of urine that actually the, the patient was able to produce. Um, so that's where that's coming from. And we are seeing a lot of the payers start to pick up these um, these guidelines from different groups to further restrict the billing of 51741. So I, I, you are we are seeing an increase in folks uh, from the insurance side taking a look at that 51741 to see whether or not it's valid, which, of course, is interesting and in that it's hard to know whether you're going to, I mean, you're doing the study regardless of how much urine is put through. Um, so I think there's an argument there that the medical necessity of the urine flow for the Euroflow was there. Um, but, you know, we've also had the AUA come out and say that if you don't actually get a void, even if you intended it and needed it, that you should not charge for that. But if you do get some urine in, to that and you think you've got a reasonable test that was completed, um, I don't think it's wrong to bill it, but do know that there are a number of insurance companies that are denying that. Now I'm gonna take this actually a step further in that <clears throat> we're actually seeing some of the insurance companies trying to bundle the office visit into the Euroflow um, and that one's been another issue that's out there that they're looking at the medical necessity and they're looking at the volume of the void by denying the E&M code. So it's kind of a backwards way to do a chart review relative to the validity of that particular study. Um, so uh, what I'm going to encourage you to do relative to the Euroflow is make sure you document the reason why you're doing it um, and record um, well what uh, urine, uh, what the urine volume was and the, uh, of course, your regular uh, voiding uh, data relative to the Euroflow. Um, and then the last thing I will add 
in all of this, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is that Eurody or the complex Euroflow build with a full Eurodynamic study. Um, that one's starting to get denied, and, and the AUA has kind of agreed with that denial if the Euroflow is not done prior to the actual uh, Eurodynamic study. So you want to make sure that you document if you are doing a Euroflow on the same day as Eurodynamics, that you actually document that that was done prior and the reason for uh, wanting to record that Euroflow uh, for that particular patient. So it's a it's a it's a lift now for a very small paying code, um, but with good documentation and good documentation templates, um, you should report them, but you should absolutely watch um, what the payers are doing and and understand what the what the process flow needs to be in order to get paid for that. Ray, any thoughts on that? Well, just to second what Mark has said, be in and lock it in by documenting clearly how the Euroflow impacted your decision making. Uh, if you can do that, why you've got a a solid argument that it was uh, uh, valuable and should be paid. All right. Okay. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, 0421T, which is the transurethral water jet ablation of the prostate. Um, we had a question come in. Uh, does anyone have guidance on the billing pricing for 0421T? Medicare doesn't have a fee schedule, but that doesn't mean they won't pay it if billed. Thank you for your help. Mark, any guidance on that? So, you know, like any any code that is and and is is a status um, uh, C um, and which is the 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 status assigned to a, a 0421T, um, that is considered to be carrier administered or carrier priced. Um, so in that, those circumstances, the carrier may or may not have an established price for that particular uh, code uh, programmed into their system as an as an edit. Um, so what you want to do as far as developing your fee is what you would typically do with an unlisted code. Go back to something that is of similar effort um, and time for the physician. So, you know, maybe it's the uh, something similar to a resume, but um, maybe it requires more physician time, so it needs to be higher priced than the resume. Or maybe you look at it as slightly, uh, you know, with less physician time and effort relative to the laser terp, um, for example, and you could set your fee then relative to your laser. So pick a code that is close in time and effort. Um, and, you know, from the physician side of the equation, make sure you're matching up the globals um, for your fee because um, most likely, although again, that uh, water vapor therapy is carrier administered um, and the global period is not established, 
the carrier does have the capability to establish that global. So I would I would pick a 90 day global type procedure like my resume or my laser terp or something along those lines instead of valuing it similar to say something like a Eurolift um, because that has a zero globe. So pick something that's relative, um, pick something with a global to make it close and then establish your fee that way and then kind of watch and see what your payment rates do with a carrier. If you get the same rate every time, you'll know it's programmed in to the system. And then the other thing I'll add on there is um, the Medicare system, of course, consists of Part A and Part B. Um, Part A actually does have a price for the uh, 0421T because uh, it was assigned to an APC group. So if you're when you're doing this in the ambulatory surgical center um, or you're doing the hospital system, um, the uh, the issue um, is uh, established price. So you want to make sure your fee is above that. Ray, thoughts? No, I think Mark gave good advice. No, nothing to add. All right, agreed. And the follow-up or a second question that came in is, can you add a modifier 22 to the 0421T um, if supported? <laughs> yeah. So I don't see any restrictions um, officially um, that would not allow you to report a 0421T with a 22 modifier. Um, but at the same time, um, without an established price, um, that 22 doesn't necessarily mean much, kind of like the unlisted code. So I would probably um, see where things are, but I would probably go ahead and add the 22 um, just in case they've got that automated programming in um, and to let them know that this particular case should be considered at a higher rate than previous cases you have charged. All right. Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, the final question of the episode, and this has to do with uh, CPT. I mean, with uh, category two data in regards to ENM. Uh, so the question came in: So, if our physician orders the the CT but is performed at an outside entity, would they be able to count the review and interpretation of that CT? That's the the first question. So you want to answer that one? So the um, the you know the CT interpretation separately can only be paid once. Um, so in that particular instance, we would definitely you know if you build for it separately, nobody could charge the data point. But this sounds like a CT that was actually billed by another entity. Um, and in that case, um, you the physician that is reviewing that CT, again, because it's we, we want to make sure medical necessity is documented for why two physicians are interpreting that CT. But the, the reality is, is that the group hasn't been paid separately for the CT. So that should be counted as data um, for both physicians in this case, because they are, in fact, using that in their medical decision-making um, as 
as overall that is uh, data used in the decision making point for each one of those physicians. All right, and that makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, the, there's a there's a second follow up to this that is a little bit um, more in the gray area, at least for me, it was. Also, if the ordering physician does review and interpret the CT, but then refers the patient to one of their partners in the same group for a procedure or surgery, and that physician documents that they have reviewed and interpreted, how who or how could that be counted as a category two data point? So you're bringing in several different things. So, I mean, I would hope that actually the referral was for a further evaluation of the patient to actually ask the partner to see if that patient was a good um, candidate for that additional procedure. If that's the case, I don't think we have any issues. If the patient is referred specifically for that surgery um, and the, the second physician is really looking at everything and teeing up the surgery for, a, for an EM visit that's within the global, I think you've got a harder argument there um, in that process because, you know, your argument is did, did, was the decision for surgery made prior? So, uh, you just want to make sure you watch your globals and watch the referrals overall as to whether or not that should be uh, allowed. So if the so they're both using that and uh, in, in interpreting it independently in their decision making, um, and you're saying that if the decision for surgery was already made, then that shouldn't be counted or or that should be, a, it can be counted as from the second physician looking at it and interpreting it in the same group. So you, you if the decision for surgery has already been made and you're in the global, you know, the fact that a different surgeon's reviewing the, the uh, CT scan and deciding to plan the surgery, that's not really outside the global. That's a preoperative visit. So you've got to be, you've got to make sure that visit's not a preoperative visit. The data is actually countable, but is the visit countable? Is what ah, I'm bringing. Okay, all right, I follow you. Okay, well, and and that may happen if uh, you know when we were discussing this that if the patient was for, referred to another partner because that partner had uh, more expertise in that particular area and that other partner was uh, seeing them to make that decision for surgery or, or further treatment. All right. Well, that's all we have uh, for today. Once again, we want to thank ModMed for being a sponsor and uh, helping uh, bring this podcast to you. Mark, would you like to add anything? Any, anything else? Uh, yeah, not today. Um, it's a little cold where I am and I, my brain's not functioning as well. <laughs> All right. And it looks like Ray doesn't have anything to add either. So, uh, well, Mark, why don't you take us out? Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. 
Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. 